0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? My name is Xavier Diaz, and this is a Pretty Normal Podcast. On this week's episode, I got the chance to interview Kirby Ingalls. He's a leadership and transformational coach, as well as a U.S. veteran. My conversation with him was great. I got to talk to him about masculinity, his idea of masculinity, and also the work that he's done with fatherless men, as well as people with PTSD. He's a great person and he has a lot of motivational things to say i was really excited to speak to him and to get some advice on certain things in life and you know just to get his idea of how we can interact with other people without getting into these confrontational situations how can we express our opinions without you know stepping on top of other people and without just living in these echo chambers that we've slowly started to just you know become used to so My name is Xavier Diaz and this is a pretty normal podcast. Thank you for everyone who's listening for the first time If you haven't heard this show We interview interesting people about things they're passionate about and we try and reimagine what society considers normal without further ado This is my interview with Kirby Ingalls You're listening to a Pretty Normal Podcast, a show that highlights the fascinating stories and thought provoking moments that make up our lives. My name is Xavier Diaz, and I want to hear your story. here with Kirby Ingles. You are a leadership and transformational coach as well as a U.S. veteran. Am I getting everything? It seems like you do a lot, so I want to make sure I got everything in there.
1: Yeah, brother, I do a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going,
0: man? So I wanted to ask you a little bit about your background and can you tell me how you got into coaching?
1: Yeah, so uh, that's, a, that's a pretty interesting story. So, uh, you know, I was at Fort Myers, Virginia. I was uh, with the uh, United States Army, the old guard, uh, they're known as the uh, escort to the president of the United States, are the ones that operate out of Arlington Cemetery. And, uh, you know, I was there and uh, I was in an HR job for about 18 months. And I was asked to kind of step up into a leadership role as a senior advisor. Mm-hmm. And so I was in that senior advisor role and, uh, you know, I was looking across the water at the Pentagon, you know, and I was like, man, I don't want to do it, keep doing this for the rest of my life. I don't want to be stuck in the, you know, go, it's like the corporate world, you know, the rat race, you know, mm-hmm. climbing the corporate ladder again. Once I got out of the military, I didn't want to do that. So I was like, what can I do? You know, because I'm tired of being in briefings and meetings all the time and doing all this stuff, you know, and writing policy. And this is not the side of HR that I really, you know, wanted, you know, that I actually love to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And so... And in that senior advisor position, I was actually working with young professionals and emerging leaders uh, within the Army. And what I noticed was, is in myself, is I, I got a lot of satisfaction out of helping people solve problems and overcoming difficulties and challenges, not only in their personal lives, but pro- professionally as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just being a mentor and a coach, a leader uh, to young folks. And so I started doing some research and I thought about counseling, so um, I was getting ready to... You know, I just got my bachelor's. I was getting ready to start my master's. I was trying to figure out, okay, what's next? Mm -hmm. So I chose counseling. And as soon as I got in the counseling world, I came across coaching and I looked at it and I'm like, this is exactly what I want to do. You know, it's, it's working with individuals, helping them overcome obstacles, find, you know, alternative options. Uh, And and so as soon as I started digging in the coursework, I just fell in love with it. Out of the six or seven years that I've gone to academics, uh, you know, out of high school, um, those two years was probably the most enjoyable that I ever had, learning about coaching. It was the best (laughs) grades that I ever gotten. So um, I had like, I think it was like a 3.8 or 3.6 GPA. But, you know, before I struggled through school, but that, that can like absorb me, you know, and I was just so curious about the coaching world and different topics that I could dive into, like career coaching, leadership coaching, health and wellness coaching. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't get enough, and I still can't today. So,
0: And what is the difference between a coach, a mentor, and a counselor? You think you froze up on me? Oh, am I good? Hello? Hey, yeah, you froze on me too. Hello? Hello? Oh, you're back. Hey, you got yeah, me? Got yeah, pros, yeah, yeah, pros. Uh, All right. So I don't know if you got to hear the last question I asked, but I said, uh-huh. what's uh, what's the difference between a coach, a mentor, and a counselor?
1: So, yeah. So the difference between a coach, a mentor, and counselor, right? So a counselor is somebody that helps you with a um, significant emotional problem that you're going with, like uh, – And you need to get back to a place of normalcy, right? A counselor helps you get back to that place. They Mm -hmm. solve deep, very challenging underlying issues where you could possibly need to see a uh, a therapist or Mm -hmm. um, a psychologist, you know, as far as medication purposes go. And counselors also work with people that are just really struggling in certain areas of life that that, um, could even be classified in the DSM-5 or something like that. those are some very deep challenging issues and could be a uh, medical diagnosis could go along with that um a a mentor is somebody that you admire certain qualities or characteristics about them and they have achieved something in the world that you want to achieve and Mm -hmm. so what they do is they kind of tell you the path that they charted and how they got there and they kind of pour into you so the difference between all those two and coaching is a coach is somebody that extracts the answers out of you. Mm-hmm. As coaches, we recognize that you are the subject matter expert in who you are. You've lived in your own skin for all these years and you nobody knows you better than you. All we're gonna do is ask you powerful questions to kind of help bring to the surface what you already know mm-hmm. and help you take action and be there as your guide, Your you know, um, and go along this journey with you and kind of help keep you accountable. Um, some of that maybe requires some training and some skills. Um, a lot of coaches do some of that. But it's really, it's about pulling, extracting out of you. Mentors, they put into you. And counselors help you with um, serious issues that you're, you're going through in your life at the time.
0: And I've seen something that you said where you said everyone should hire a coach. Everyone should have a coach. And everything that you said sounds great. And I agree with all of it. <laughs> but I do worry that I think the people that would need coaches the most would end up being the people that can't afford a coach. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think rich people wouldn't exactly need a coach as much as like someone who's low income who needs, you know, someone to help them find what it is inside of them that will help put them on a better path. So I worry that the people that do need it won't end up, won't be able to afford it. Like, how do we get around that?
1: Yeah, so there's all kinds of different levels of coaches, right? And a lot of the newer coaches start out and, the, you know, their, their their prices, you know, and, and their, their cost is, is a lot lower. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm even in some of those arenas where it makes it really cost effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can kind of talk a little bit about that here in a second. Um, but, you know, the... Even the most wealthiest people in the world realize that there's, there's two things that you, you need to do and that's replicate success and number two is hire a coach right mm. Everybody needs a coach. Everybody has something about them. Um, it's kind of like a you know like sports. All athletes have coaches right And so we all have doctors, we all have dentists you know and, and things of that nature though. There's, there's you know we all have a teacher. Um, And so I think coaches are a a important part of our lives that can help us with those performance measures and help us, you know, move us to the place where we want to be, go from where we are to where we want to be. Coaches help close the gap. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of times it's a third perspective or a second perspective that we don't necessarily see. Um, And how it can be more affordable is, is there's a lot of platforms out there right now that do make it cost effective a lot of companies that I work with, their company is actually paying for the coaching because they're seeing significant returns on investment. And Mm -hmm. so they are investing in this. I mean, some of the top Fortune 500 companies, majority of them are invested in some kind of coaching for their employees. Now there's a big difference between companies that pay for coaching and individuals that pay for coaching because when you got your own skin in the game, you tend to be a little bit more committed. And mm-hmm. that's the big thing with coaches, right? They want somebody to have some skin in the game so that they are that, that, that there's that commitment. It's It kind of goes back to risk aversion, right? The fear of losing something. So if you've made a commitment, you know, with your dollars, which is extremely important to most of us, then you're going to try and get the most out of that, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to lose your money. You know, it's like going to the racetrack. You know, you want to put the energy, the effort, the time, Mm -hmm. and all that in there. Now, there's a couple platforms um, that I've been on that have made it more affordable. And uh, one of them is Coach.me. Um, and that's, uh, Tony Stumblebines, the CEO of that company. And it's a digital coaching platform. It's like $25 a week, I believe it is. Um, and it's text-based. It's basically what I call is you got a coach in your pocket. Anytime you're going through something or you're trying to build habits or achieve a goal or run an obstacle, you pull out your phone, you can text your coach right there through the platform on an app. And then within, you know, depending on how you guys arranged it, I mean, they're not going to be available twenty four seven. But within a few hours, they can get back to you, you know. Oh, and some true. can respond right away. Yeah. So, I mean, it it can become uh, affordable. So that would, if it's twenty five bucks a month, it's like hundred bucks. I think, you know, when you first join the platform, you get your first week for free, so you can try the coach out. Yeah. I mean, so it it can be cost effective if you want really want it to be. And how do you know who's the right
0: coach for you? Is Like, what goes into picking a coach? Yeah.
1: yeah, so I think it's really important to understand, you know, who you're dealing with, right? Because I'm not the greatest fit for everybody, mm-hmm. um, and not every client's the greatest fit for me. So I've had to fire a couple clients in the past, and I just recently had to let another one go wow. just because they weren't putting in the work, you know. And, and there's been times where we've had to sit down and uh, address things again and say, okay, we're disconnecting, you know, we're going two different directions. We need to kind of get back on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, a good fit for you is, is a lot of times it's somebody that kind of has experience in the, so if you're working like a career management coaching, uh, challenge, it's somebody that has experience probably in that industry. They don't necessarily have to have experience, but it's somebody that's familiar with that territory. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're wanting to work on health and wellness, obviously you're going to go find a health and wellness coach. If you're trying to, you know, and if your focus is on running, you obviously want to go find somebody that has some experience and probably some accolades in running. You know, not mm-hmm. somebody that said, you know that just says, "Hey, I have this diploma," says I'm a certified coach. That doesn't make you a good coach. This means you passed the test. Yeah, you got the certificate. What kind of life experiences do they have? Have them share their story with you, and if you begin to resonate with that, then they're gonna resonate with you. Uh, And there's a lot of things like that that uh, I would personally look for. know what kind of client list do they have and a lot of coaches won't disclose that so i've signed some disclosure agreements myself so i can't provide a whole lot but you know do they have testimonials that they can share and so i have testimonials on my website and so you can kind of see the types of people i worked with and um you know what they had to say about me now obviously most people aren't going to share, you know, the uh, bad um, experiences that they've had. And we've all, as coaches, had bad experiences, bad clients, and clients have had bad experiences with us. Yeah. And it's all a growing process. You have to learn some patience in the in, in that process. But if, if you get to a point where, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's working out, the coach should be okay with you moving on to somebody else. And then they could probably give you a referral to somebody that's best fit for you. Mm-hmm. In the interview process, the coach should identify that, right? They should not just be taking on anybody and everybody. And a lot of new coaches will do that. They will take on anybody and everybody. Mm-hmm. However, once you have identified who your target market is or your niche, right? The, the, the people that you work with and then what you actually do for them and what you help them solve, it should be clear that this person is the right person for you. Now, sometimes personality uh, has a lot to do with it, and mm-hmm. so by the end of that first phone call, you know they should allow you to be on a thirty-minute phone call with them, and uh, for free the first time, just to kind of get all that out and flush yeah. those things out. You should know, like, I really want to work with this person, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I, for me personally, I think coaches should add more value in that initial phone call than try to sell. You know, like, oh, you need to buy my services, and they're pitch, 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 pitch. Um, that's somebody that's really more about the dollars um, and trying to make a sale versus somebody that's trying to add value to you and convince you through value that you know they're here to deliver some goods to you Mm -hmm. so
0: what are the most common reasons why people go looking for a coach like what is it that they are looking for in their lives that brings them to getting a coach
1: yeah, a lot of the experiences that I've had is career management. Um, I've worked with caregivers before, so uh, I'll talk a little bit about the caregivers since Veterans Day is tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. and what I did was is I worked with uh, caregivers of veterans. So these veterans had come back from uh, uh, the war or, or some other uh, training exercise or something and they had been injured. Um, and they weren't able to care for themselves 100% throughout the day. There was just something about their day that, you know, they could take care of. Some had PTSD, some, you know, had, um, you know, lost a limb. Um, others had some function, functional mobility st- issues that they had. Um, but they weren't able to care for themselves for whatever reason, because they'd made a, a sacrifice for the country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so what happens is, is the caregiver ends up spending all their time caring for a service member, right? so life has changed once they've come back. And so now they spend all their time caring for the care, the veteran and also they may have a young family that they have to raise as well. And so all their time is focused on taking care of everybody else but themselves. And we all know that uh, it's very hard to take care of others if you can't take care of yourselves. And some of, of the caregivers would obviously start to develop some of the same signs of PTSD uh that the the service member was experiencing you know headaches stress you know depression things like that uh and because they weren't able to take the time out to care for themselves Mm -hmm. so what we would do is we would go in and do some problem solving and teach life skills uh one of the successful stories that i had um it was very simple right it was just sometimes we're just so close to the problem that we don't see the problem Mm-hmm. And, and it's hard to find solutions to the problem when we really don't look at things objectively. Uh, we don't look at alternative choices or we don't look at hybrid choices, you know, mm-hmm. taking a couple different options and combining them together to create a hybrid. Mm-hmm. And so what we would do is we'd go in and look at uh, a, a problem-solving technique where they would just try and discover like the different options they had because most of the time when we think of something like, Oh no, this is happening. I need to fix this. It's the first solution that comes to mind that we act on and then that doesn't work. So the next solution comes to mind, we act on. And so it's just taking kind of a step back and saying, okay, I've got this problem. What are the different solutions to the problem and how many different solutions can I come up with? And then which one is probably socially more likely to happen, um, realistically more likely to happen. And there's a bunch of different categories you go down and you rank those, right? And then you add the point total up and you're like, okay, well, this is probably the option that's most likely to work and you take action on that. Mm-hmm. And what they found was is that, you know, instead of spinning your wheels, trying different options all the time until you've exhausted all your options, let's take a step back first and look at all the options first and then pick the one that's best. It's just problem solving. And mm-hmm. it's just actually just stopping, you know, and just stepping back and taking a look at the bigger picture and what's really gonna work. Um, and so what one of the problems that she had was she had twin daughters and uh they're about three or four years old at the time and her husband couldn't stand or, or sit for more than three hours at a time couldn't be in long car rides There was he had a lot of challenges he uh he was a explosive ordnance disposal guy so he'd been blown up a few times
0: um oh, and just had and some
1: really bad back problems yeah. and so he was he, he struggled right and uh And so what happened was is she couldn't go to the grocery store and put the twins in the cart together because they were constantly fighting. And then she would just, and after five minutes in the store, she would leave because she was stressed out because they were constantly fighting with each other and she couldn't get the grocery shopping done. She was embarrassed. They were screaming, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was like, okay. And she told me about a friend next door that, you know, was a real nice lady, you know, and, and she didn't have many friends. And the the older lady was really, you know, like kind of like a grandmother, you know, or an older aunt always like, you know really interested in her daughters and they thought they were cute And i was like well and so as we started to try and problem solve her grocery shopping issue we came up to the solution was okay well let's knock out two or three birds with one stone here and uh so you don't have a lot of friends and you don't have a lot of social time so And the twins are always fighting and you need to get the grocery shopping done. Mm -hmm. And you have a hard time doing it without the twins because, you you know, your husband has some challenges. So why don't you ask your neighbor to go on a uh, grocery shopping date with you so you can socialize, you can put the twins in separate carts so they can't fight with each other. And then you guys can get your grocery shopping done at the same time because I'm sure she has grocery shopping she needs to do. And if she enjoys spending time with your children... She's going to love it. Well, it worked. Right. So they had like an hour and a half where they would just spend time in the grocery store having a conversation, and it completely turned her world upside down. I mean, it was just, it, it changed it. I mean, such a simple like,
0: solution, but still, simple yeah. solution,
1: completely changed. She had, she was now, she was socializing with another woman. Mm-hmm. Um, she had, she, kids weren't fighting. She she eliminated the stress factor and she was able to get the grocery shopping done. And she had that committed hour, hour and a half every week that she had something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And it completely changed her. And after that, she just, she skyrocketed through the rest of the program. That's amazing. So. How
0: long are coaches usually with uh, their clients for? Do you find that once the client gets on the right path and they think that they've mm-hmm. got everything figured out, they then separa- uh, you know, cut the, the business transaction, I guess, with the coach? Like, how long are coaches usually with their clients for?
1: Yeah. So that varies a lot. I mean, I've seen, I've seen long-term um, coaching going on, especially if there's a couple people that uh, are, are really connected. Um, a lot of business coaches may stay on uh, for a long time. Sometimes executive coaches stay on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're always trying to get to the next level, right? And you can always scale your business to the next level. A lot of times, uh, you know, your normal life coaching, your health and wellness coaching, you're there to reach a desired result. And once you've reached that result, you break the relationship. Um, and you, I would say you start by firing your client first, you know, before, as you begin to hire them or onboard them, because you want to tell them like, okay, well, once we get to this point, this is what it's going to start to look like. Mm-hmm. And we're going to end our relationship, right? Because you always want to start with how the relationship's going to end, and have that sudden like, "All right, it's all over with," you know, um, and and so you kind of want to set it up right for the uh-huh. end, so people kind of know, okay, well we're getting there to the end. It's time to, you know begin to uh, dissolve the relationship. And I don't think coaching should last forever. It should be just to help you get through whatever season in life you're going through. Mm-hmm. So if it's like, I need a coach to run a marathon, you usually hire a coach long enough to get to your first marathon, right? Mm-hmm. Or you hire a coach to get to a PR, mm-hmm. right? And so, or a personal record. And so you hire a coach to get to that point. Well, that's the same way with coaching is. So if I have a goal that I wanna obtain like a certain weight, right? or I want to get, you know, healthy eating under control Why well, I hire the coach long enough to do that. And then once I've accomplished that, I should be able to replicate everything that the coach the coach taught me. So coaching is all about coaching yourself out of a job. Um, and that's, and that's one of the things that I enjoyed and why I picked coaching is because it's not long term. And my job is to coach myself out of a job is to help you get results. So you go tell your friends and then they come to me for help. Right. And mm-hmm. so and, and that's results driven. And those that's where the referrals come from. And, and coaches love referrals because those are the best, right? Those are the people yeah. that really want to work, you know? Those are the people that, you know, um, other folks have shared their personal experiences with you and, and they have credentialed or qualified you to their friends or, or family or anybody that they've come across the network. And so, coaching should only last as long as the goal is there and so you have and that would should be one of the first things that you establish in coaching is establishing a goal a concrete and i like to use smart goals specific measurable attainable realistic and time bound Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of my coaching my coaching practices are about three or four months long Um, i have one that's a year long but it's a it's kind of like a micro coaching session it's like laser coaching we call it 30 minutes or less and it's quick it's fast it's rapid it's not like this 45 or one hour long session it's you know you check in we establish what you're going to do next and then you go do that and Mm -hmm. then when you come back the following week if you run into any issues or challenges or problems and we kind of work through those hurdles and obstacles and then you go back after it and try to accomplish the next thing so it's really quick and rapid and those are that's for people that just you know they just need somebody to kind of keep them accountable um but somebody to kind of catch their ear for about 15 minutes and, and be able to work through a problem quickly and move on.
0: Nice, All right. I wanna get some, some advice from you for people that may, um, that may need this type of advice but don't know about coaching or anything like that. So how do you avoid conflicts in today's polarized world and how do you avoid you know, getting into like these clashes with people and sharing your opinion in a way where you don't end up in a confrontational situation?
1: For me, it's pretty simple. It goes back to uh, a concept that Stephen Covey uh, talks about in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and that's first seek to understand. Um, and you're never going to convince anybody anything otherwise unless you understand their perspective first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're probably like, well, who goes first, right? Yeah. Well, you'd, you know, they do, right? Because you want to understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind. I mean, I have my own personal views, right? We all do. You know, we all have our experiences, our own worldviews, our own understanding in life and, you know, what we believe and what we don't believe in. Um, Doesn't mean the other person is wrong, per se, you know. I mean, who's to say who is wrong, really? I mean, we don't, I mean, none of us really know, right? We're all trying to get to the same place in life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you know, maybe, maybe your way may seem better for you. Maybe it works better for you. And so just first seek to understand, build trust in the relationship, right? And that's where, that's where it really begins. None of us really focus on trust. Um, everybody just expects it, right? You know, and they're like, well, you know, it, it, we just, we just, we just, and that's it. That's the thing. It's, it's an expectation. Mm-hmm. Instead of building it, right? You have to earn it. You have to, you have to, work through those challenges and those problems before you really earn that trust. You have to be able to, you know what, you have a point there, you know, and, and I'm okay with you having that particular point and I'm going to, I disagree with you because, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, you can let them know why. Well,
0: in it's, terms of like social media, it's so hard to get that trust yeah. because you're behind a screen and you don't know the other yeah. person. So you're more inclined to say yeah. the person and there's no sense of trust and you're just kind of Hopping to get your, your side of the perspective on it. And then you mm-hmm. just comment and leave it, enter. Yeah. And you never actually listen to what the other person says because there's no face-to-face. You know, if you log off right there, you, you might never see their comment again. Who cares? <laughs> so it's so hard to get that trust in social media, at least.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it can be pretty easy, right? So you can get people to know like you and, and trust you on social media if you're consistent. And that mm-hmm. has a lot to do with your character. And and that kind of goes back to my personal belief in, in trust is that when you're, char- when you're consistently, you know, you can make a mistake, right? You, mm. you can foul something up, but as long as you're consistent, right? You can still make a mistake and people will know, like, love and still trust you. Mm. I mean, it it's, and, you've, and you can probably look back, you know, and see people that have made tremendous mistakes throughout history but they've recovered from it. Mm-hmm. It's the ones that are inconsistent that people don't trust. Uh, if you treat your people, you know, with respect, you know, and and you consistently do the same things every day and you act and behave the same way, doesn't mean that you can't um, make a mistake.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cause we're all we're all human beings. We're all gonna make a mistake. Even me, I'm gonna make a mistake, right? I'm gonna misspeak at some point in time. Or I'm gonna quote something wrong or, you know, uh, or 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 say something that may not actually be factual, and it may be opinionated. And to me, at the time, I thought it was factual. And when I go back and somebody calls me out on it, I'm like, Oh yeah, I did some more research, and you're 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 right. Yeah. It,
0: you know but that's great a lot of people don't have that a lot of people will not admit yeah. they're
1: wrong they'll
0: just try and divert it to well what about this well what about yeah. that so, yeah and and it's okay i mean
1: you're gonna have folks out there that are gonna i mean they did. Do, they don't care right they just yeah. they just don't care um and, and they're all out to prove that you're wrong or they're the extreme right mm-hmm. um, and you just have to let those people go i mean you just let it go. I mean, and I, 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 on my social media, if I see somebody that's doing something that's inappropriate and I don't like it, I'm like, well, you just can't be part of my circle right now. Yeah. It, <laughs> your behavior. You can come back into my circle, uh-huh. but I'm just not going to have that as part of my life. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm just not going to do that. For um, sure. if you don't want to have a conversation, like I can debate all day.
0: Mm-hmm. I, can, I
1: can have debates. like, and I can try to understand your perspective and you can try to understand my perspective. And as long as we walk away and still, know that each other's human beings and that we have lives and feelings and we, we all are made of flesh and, you know, we, that's all that matters, right? Um, we're all trying to achieve the same thing in life. We're all trying to get to the same place. Mm-hmm. Why, 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 why do we have to tear each other down? Why do we have to poke each other in the eyeballs all the time? You know, it, it's okay to disagree. Mm-hmm. That's what makes, you know, I think our country great is we have so many different perspectives and views You know, that's why I loved about the military. Um, since tomorrow's Veterans Day. Yes. You know, it was your service. Yeah. You know, I appreciate that. And that's why I loved about it is because you have people from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. You have so many unique individuals there who believe in something different, who are there for different reasons, who act differently, who behave differently. And we all come together, right. That look differently, you know, um, tall, short, wide, Mm -hmm. slender. It doesn't matter. None of it mattered. We all did one of the most impossible things and came together as a team and, and achieved an objective in the military. Mm -hmm. You know, whether that be in combat military service, you know, there was a task we were given or a mission, we all achieved it. And we're all completely different. Not one team looks the same. And, We all came together no matter how hard the job was and got it done and and came together as one. But if you look across the United States and the rest of the world right now, we can't do that. It's extremely hard without poking each other in the eyeballs. Yeah, for sure. I think the military is a great description of what, you know, really good quality leadership and team building is about Mm -hmm. and how people from different walks of life can all come together and achieve the same thing and work together and still be okay with being different. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Yeah, It's it's really hard for me right (laughs) now because, you know, I've seen it, you know, I've lived it. I've been a part of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's why, you know, um, and I think that's why the American people, right? Love our military services because they recognize that. They, they recognize that these people have done something extremely hard, that nobody else is willing to do, and if they are willing, they're just not qualified medically or physically. Yeah, um and so you're looking at one percent of the population was is able to kind of do this, and it, it's just amazing what they are able to accomplish. And and we've been around, you know, this country's been around for what about 250 years now, or, or more yeah. or less. In comparison so, to the world, it's not very long. Yeah, it's you know, and. I think it'll it'll outlast all the other great empires that have come across this world.
0: Hopefully, man, hopefully. I I think <laughs> the problem is that um, people can disagree and it's okay to disagree, but there's so much misinformation now because the uh because of the inf- uh, AI. Yeah. Ad- just, you know, people with their own personal agendas that want to misinform. Those are the worst type of people because, mm-hmm. like, come on, man, you're you're misinforming so that you can get yeah. people to believe something that Otherwise they might not believe if they had the proper information and if they had those interactions with other people with different perspectives with them so yeah just don't
1: believe everything you hear on the internet exactly <laughs> for sure yeah just don't you got to do your own fact checking I mean <laughs> and he, he, you know I was watching this thing um, and I know Mark Zuckerberg kind of got beat up the other you know not long ago with uh, on, on when, it, when he went to the congressional hearing yeah. and you know um, unfortunately he was in a really rough spot you know. And uh, a very respectful guy that day, and I, I really did appreciate his respect and his candidness and his candor and, and you know, how he conducted himself. Uh, but, you know, he was, you know, you could, you could tell, like, the third independent fact checkers that they use sometimes, you know. I mean, yeah, you know. So even they use a third-party fact checker, and even those fact checkers have things about them that yeah. – weren't as appealing, you know, once it kind of got brought to the surface. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. Um, but, you know, I mean, but that's with anything, you know, and what we're really looking for in this country right now is transparency, right? Consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are the way you are, just be transparent about it. Don't mm-hmm. try and hide it, you know? Well, something and that's like what that. we want to see. We want to see transparency. That's mm-hmm. it. That's That's all we really want, you know? And that's how you get trust is by being transparent and consistent.
0: As I was reading through some of your blog posts and through mm-hmm. some of the things that you've written, some of the resources that you've put out there, you speak a lot about um, and you do a lot of work with fatherless men, yeah. from what I've seen. What do you think about this idea of new masculinity and the concept of toxic masculinity?
1: I haven't really, I've seen the new masculinity thing. Um, I think it was, was it, uh, I can't remember which magazine it was that came out with it, but um, oh. TQ? Hey, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember which one it was. I haven't dove dove into it too much right now. Um, I'm working on a couple other side projects, so I'm trying not to get sidetracked. Um, But uh, uh, toxic masculinity, the part that I don't like about toxic masculinity is we we call it toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with masculinity, the toxic part. That's just... That's just well being toxic, right?
0: You don't think that there are certain traits that society has been like, yeah. you know, for men, yeah. be cold, be uh, be the head of the house, be the one. like. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've always seen machismo because my family mm-hmm. is from Latin America. So machismo mm-hmm. is, a, is a very real thing. Man comes home from work. He expects beer on the table. Like, woman yeah. stays home. This idea of women are the caregivers. They stay in the house. Mm-hmm. So I've definitely seen machismo. And I... Do you yeah. think that there are any qualities to like men where it's like, you know, sh- saying that little boys
1: shouldn't show emotion? Do you mm-hmm. not
0: think that's not toxic?
1: Oh, I think that behavior is toxic, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to call it masculinity because my def- definition of masculinity has nothing to do with being toxic. Yeah. Let's start so, with that. What, what's your yeah, definition Yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, you know, when I feel masculinity, right, I think it is a, a particular behavior or lifestyle, but people have tagged – toxic masculinity off of it and I want to remove the toxic part of masculinity because there is a healthy masculinity and I don't even mm-hmm. like to use the word healthy masculinity because now we're just using you know words to describe masculinity masculinity is masculinity it, it's it's these characteristics of men that's it it's it's and it's mostly physical characteristics right um, but when we start about the toxic you know you talk about the guys whistling at women you know th- those are behaviors. Mm -hmm. Those are learned behaviors that have nothing to do with masculinity. Mm -hmm. It's just they're men doing it, so we call it toxic masculinity. You know, that's just bad behavior. That Mm -hmm. was a bad upbringing. Nobody grabbed that kid by the scruff of the neck when they was younger and did what was necessary Um, and taught that kid where he needed, you know, what he needed to know. Now, you know, when we talk about fatherlessness, I don't see toxic masculinity and fatherlessness as much. You know, we see some autocratic leadership styles because men are very aggressive because they're very competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, They're always trying to, they feel threatened by other men's success. And so they're constantly competing. Um, And a lot of that is driven by young boys because they're trying to impress their fathers or you'll impress other men because they want that gratitude. You know, Mm -hmm. they want that, you know, you are good enough, you have what it takes. A lot of them don't get that. So they end up growing up and developing into this um, autocratic leadership style. And some of these develop what we, you know, what society is calling toxic, toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of them develop some of these traits and skills because they were never taught, you know, by a, a healthy, supportive male figure on, what masculinity really is mm-hmm. and, 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 and really, it, you know, there's, and, and, you know, I think there's, there's a couple, there's a couple different people out there that are really good at this conversation. Um, and one of them's named Ryan Mitchler. Um, and then the other one is, uh, Brett McKay. So Brett McKay focuses on manliness and Ryan Mitchler focuses a lot on masculinity and there's differences between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so masculinity really for me is the physical characteristics of men and that's it. And it, it's not, it's not so much the behaviors, manliness is the behaviors, you know, and a, and a lot of the the, the behaviors that um, I grew up around was much, which more my grandfather's, you know, and he, which was, he, he showed me, you know, through his actions, you know, how to, how to love his wife, um, how to be around his kids and his grandchildren, how mm-hmm. to act, work ethic, things like that. Those are things that traits that, you know, that, I come to know as manliness, you know? And, you know, some of that is lifestyle stuff like, you know, shaving and um, some of those other qualities like with a straight razor that, you know, that are starting to come back, you know, men shining their shoes, you know, (laughs) doing things like they were wearing suits, being well-dressed, you know, things of that nature. Um, and Brett McKay from the Art of Manliness is really good at showcasing what healthy manliness looks like, and I think people confuse that sometimes mm. with masculinity.
0: Well, I, I've come across this quote from this artist. His name is Tan Jun Duan. and he said he did um, a piece, an art piece, where it was I'm a very different person to who I used to be, and it was kind of. Um, getting more in touch, I guess, with his feminine side. So he has a Mm -hmm. quote where he says, at this point, I think there shouldn't be a discussion about what it is to be a man. Why not just be a person? So Mm -hmm. do you think it would be better, more beneficial for society on both sides to instead of trying to be a a real man, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. we just get rid of that and we just
1: try and be good people? Well, certainly. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, I think that's what it starts there, number one. Mm -hmm. But I also think that, when you when you uh when you remove you know the differences between men and women right because there are clear differences between men of and course. women. Mm-hmm. um then you kind of start to take away an individual's identity mm-hmm. right and that's and that's very hard to get back once you remove that identity um and i think that's where you see a lot in society right now you know men's identity has been deconstructed for the last 40 50 60 years um well and, maybe that's because society and the media and
0: everything entertainment did right. did such a hard job of, of trying to tell us what men should be like you know through movies old movies yeah and yeah, even that, the idea yeah. of you know the little girl waiting for a man to come rescue her that's mm-hmm. been implanted in disney movies forever that's been yeah.
1: in the media forever so disney, i think yeah. maybe it's
0: deconstructing now just because we're reversing yeah the, the roles that society did to us
1: yeah, no, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with individuals, you know, be, you know, wanting to become who they want to be and doing the jobs that they want to do and all that other stuff. Um, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I know a lot of great stay at home dads that still feel like that, you know, they're masculine and, you know, they have masculinity, you know, you have to forget about all the, you know, the traditional roles and stuff like that. It really depends on, you know, when it comes down to that, it's really, that's between you and your spouse. Yeah. I mean, it's really who cares? I mean, it's nobody else's business, you know. If you want to stay home and she wants to go to work, fine. I mean, yeah. if that's what you guys agree to, who mm-hmm. cares, right? That's the agreement you guys came up with, you know. I don't, don't, don't let nobody put you in a box, right? Mm-hmm. So that, I don't agree with that, you know. It's it's how you guys work it out, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I can't remember the question you had before that. Um, uh,
0: it wasn't really a question;
1: it was okay. more so just right. speaking, but
0: yeah. Yeah, just, you know, what what can we do so that, I don't want to say fight back against the idea of toxic masculinity, but how can men show, like, look, we're willing to address the behaviors that are toxic, but let's not say all masculinity is toxic. How do we... You know and work together where it's not like a now men are like you know it feels like an attack on men as
1: yeah I'm sure you know and i think you had, yeah and so yeah i remember now what it was because you were talking about the media and stuff so yeah we gotta you know we gotta hold we gotta hold hollywood and these other places accountable mm-hmm. for the way they portray men mm-hmm. right you know i mean come on look at look at married with children and al bundy right mm-hmm. i mean seriously yeah i mean that i mean for me that's disrespectful right mm-hmm. i mean I don't act like that, you know, and I grew up in that environment. Right. So I remember my stepdad, right. When I was about 12, 13 years old, telling my mother that women belong barefoot, pregnant in the kitchen. That's inappropriate behavior. That's right. It's like, it's like you are so shallow minded, right. That, that you think that way. Mm -hmm. And that bothered me. You know, it didn't bother me till I was later on because I grew up with that behavior and I learned some of that behavior and I had mm-hmm. to unlearn that behavior, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I had to learn how to treat women. You know, women aren't objects to conquer. You mm-hmm. know, they are human beings that deserve respect and dignity. And so I had to learn a lot of that. Um, and you grow up watching TV and we see this all the time. Um, I was asked to read a couple of books for and get book reviews. And it was extremely toxic. And I'm like, I cannot endorse this. Right. Mm-hmm. This is, this is terrible behavior, you know, and it's just, you know, guys aren't pickup artists. That's not, it's not your job. Right. Mm-hmm. And you go through that period in your life, right. Where a lot of guys do, a lot of guys do, they go through there you know, the hormones are going and, you know, um, you know they're in that college scene or the high school scene and they're in this area where they see women but that's where healthy father figures come into play and healthy male supportive figures to kind of corral that and show them the right way to do it Mm -hmm. and when boys get to run around right without you know having it's kind of like a herd of elephants right you know there's a story about a herd of elephants in africa right and this herd of elephant was going crazy they were fighting with each other they were running rampant they were tearing stuff up And then they couldn't figure out why. Well, once they introduced elder male elephants into the herd, they were able to get the herd under control and they began to socialize, normalize again like they normally would. Um, And so they kind of went back to a structured hierarchy and they operated normally. Um, But that's what we gotta do, right? And so 50% of the kids in this country grow up without a father-in-law. the home. is a crazy statistic. Right. And so it's just the way it is right now. And we have Mm -hmm. to get fathers back in the home. And I'm not saying it's men's fault that they're not in the home. It's just where we're at right now in society. And so we have to stop blaming each other and figure out how to solve the problem. You know, majority of the men that are in prison come from fatherless homes. Mm -hmm. The majority of people that are involved with drugs and alcohol abuse and domestic violence are from fatherless homes. You know, the majority of uh, males that commit suicide come from fatherless homes. A majority of the mass shootings that occur in America are from fatherless oh, homes. Wow. It's, yeah. The signs are there. Yeah, yeah. We, need we know what the problem is. We mm-hmm. just need good, healthy, supportive male figures in the home. Yeah. And, and to come back, right, and help the, our youth because it's our future. And this isn't my father's problem, it wasn't his father's problem. This has gone on for generations. You know, this goes all the way back to, I would say, in my opinion, uh, the uh, Industrial Revolution, when men left the home to go to the city and work these jobs in these factories to earn a living, to pursue the American dream. And now when she took the father away from the home, Uh because men worked on farms alongside, their kids worked alongside of them, and they taught them values. And now once we got to the point where mom was going to work, and now you got two parents yeah, got two parents in the home are outside the home working and our schools and our daycares are raising our children for us now. You know, and now we insert social media, yeah. and, you know, and there's nothing wrong with technology and social media, but they shouldn't be raising our children. Exactly. We need to figure exactly. out how to get back in the home, raise our own children and not rely on the schools and everybody else to do that. Um, we, you know, basically we've allowed ourselves to be, you know, to be controlled and you know, somebody else to raise our children because we have to keep up with this expectation. You know, we always have to get to the next level. You know, one of the, you know, one of the things I think is pretty profound is like when people say, you know, you're you living paycheck to paycheck, but you can still afford a, you know, a $1,200 smartphone. Yeah. I mean, it's the
0: priorities we yeah, have, right. Yeah, right? You got to
1: have, you, I mean, I know it's, it's like people a would rather pay yes. that
0: yeah, per month, just end up with yeah. another, with another uh, debt mm-hmm. that, they have, that they have. Right, to every And month. so
1: that's the challenges that we have to face is our priorities are messed up, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and our ch- children are a gift. It's yes. a gift. You're, it's a huge responsibility. You're responsible for a life. Yes. So when I work with these fatherless kids, you know, in the court systems and stuff, and they have nobody to represent them. And so I go in to advocate for them. And kind of tell the judge okay this is what the kid wants because this is what the state wants and this is what the parents want and neither can you know get along but the judge wants to know what does the kid you know what is the kids needs right now you know and really most time it's a healthy supportive caring role model in their life and so we try to fill that gap um you know and at least express the kids needs you know in mm-hmm. that moment you know and it may be something simple you know it may be say the kid just needs a backpack this month, you mm-hmm. know I mean these kids are in foster homes, placement homes, you know, and it's just just going to continue to get out of control until yeah, they need to we feel get like control kids of ourselves. Still,
0: they need to, you know, still feel like kids like when they look around and they see other kids like yeah. not feel that sadness of like, you know, I'm I don't have a father. It's, it's, that's such a such a traumatic thing for kids to grow up with. Thank you so much, Kirby. Um, I wanted to ask you just where can people find you and your services if they want to learn more? Thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, no problem, man. So uh, it would be uh, to a website and that's www.kirbyingles.com. Um, and you can go there and you can pretty much find me anywhere. You know, all the social media links are there. You know, most time I'm uh, posting on Facebook on a daily basis, two or three times a day. Um, so I have content that's coming out all the time. I do Facebook lives. So you can find a lot of that stuff there as well
0: thank you so much for your work with fatherless men as someone yeah, no who problem. did yeah i grew up without a father so i know how important it is to have you know uh, uh just a, a figure of, of a man because i grew up with my grandma my mom mm. my aunt yeah. but i had my uncle who acted as the father figure and yeah. it's just so important to have someone who is a male like you to, around and who's healthy and will teach you healthy behavior so thank you for your work with that and thank you for your service uh to the I appreciate it so thank you so much for coming on the show all right thanks Hey, have a good day, man. Take care. How are you, too? Hey, thank you to everyone who listened this week. As always, thank you to our guest, Kirby Ingalls, for coming on the show and for giving us some motivational tips, telling us about your background. And thank you for your service to the country and for all the work that you've done with caregivers. I know that caregivers is often an occupation that gets forgotten about, but they need respite relief as much as anybody else. They might even need it more than everybody else because, you know, they're taking care of other people. So it's important for them to get that uh, respite relief and to get those breaks. So thank you for the work that you've done with them. Thank you for your work with the, that you do with fatherless men as well. And thank you for trying to create an idea of masculinity that's more healthy and for more healthy manly behaviors. As always, thank you to everyone who listened this week. Uh, thank you to everyone who stayed up to date with the show so far. I love doing this. I love podcasting. I love learning new perspectives. I love talking to people that are just passionate about what they do. Go subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Instagram is the one where I am most active. So definitely be sure to follow us on there and spread the word. If you know anybody that wants to come on the show and have a conversation, I'm all about it, man. So thank you to everyone. And this was another week of a Pretty Normal Podcast where we try and reimagine what society considers normal. My name is Xavier Diaz, and thank you for watching a Pretty Normal Podcast.